Have you all ever noticed how I approach the stage a little slower than Jared does? Have y'all ever noticed that? I'm always shocked at how, how spry he is, but I was thinking this morning as he was giving the announcements, I'm grateful for him being a part of this church staff and, and this congregation, and he failed to make one very important announcement that is on his mind. I don't want any soul not to be aware of this, but, but he and Megan will be going to the hospital tonight, so y'all keep them in your prayers. Tomorrow we will have another staff member. We are looking forward to Ali's arrival, and uh, so just give Jared a, a little bit of your prayer as he and Megan move in that direction. The scripture today is from the Gospel of John, his telling of the story of Jesus, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to read the fifth through the 26th verses. This really carries over through the 42nd verse, um, but we're going to read the 5th through the 26th verses. Listen to God's holy word out of respect for the reading of this gospel passage. Would you stand with me for just a moment? So he, referring to Jesus... He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask to drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. May God add his rich blessings to the reading of the word and to our hearing, not only with our ears, but with our hearts today. You may be seated. We live in a culture that never sees people carrying water. You realize that, don't you? Here surrounding us, for years and years, that's the way it's been. The convenience of modern plumbing has made it so that we don't have to go to a common well. Now, if you were in South Africa or in Guatemala, as my daughter Rachel went to Guatemala last year about this time, she said one of the things that was so fascinating to her that she had never conceived was that people carry water every day and sometimes multiple times during the day. This is the way it is in the developing world. You and I have this false idea about the availability of water in the world. You and I turn on the tap and there the water is. It's always available for us. I love the work of one particular pastor in our conference who has taken it upon himself to put wells in as many locations that are wellless as he possibly can. His name is Bobby Gale. I don't know if any of you know him. He's fascinating. In fact, he... Some of you may remember when Joseph Robertson was the district superintendent of the Statesboro District, there was this terrible accident, this car accident, in which Joseph was killed just instantly in that accident. And as a response to that accident, Ben Martin and several others that were in the area got together and decided that there should be something done as a memorial to Joseph Robertson's life. And so a well, the money for a well was raised. And that well is still being celebrated over in Africa. The well was a place where the women in the community gathered early afternoon early morning and late afternoon they would come to fill up their buckets and carry them back 
to the places that they lived. They would bring children with them. If the children were old enough, they would send the children to get the water and to bring it home. But they used this as a time of gathering. You and I have other ways of gathering these days, don't we? I'm not sure that that Facebook is quite as good as the well. Some of you probably would take exception to that with me. But You and I seek out places of gathering so that we can, can be near each other and feel affirmed in each other's presence in some way. There's a verse that I did not read this morning, but I want to turn back to that, that comes in just before the passage that I began at the fifth verse. In the fourth verse, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, and then it starts up. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar. Now, Jesus didn't have to go anywhere, did he? You tell me. Jesus didn't have to go anywhere. It says he had to go through Samaria. If Jesus went through Samaria, I can tell you it was because Jesus wanted to go through Samaria. He could have avoided Samaria like nearly every other Jew. There were paths that ran all around the edges of Samaria. There were ways in which good, upstanding, orthodox Jews did not have to interact with these people who were considered basically the scum of the earth. They were worse, worse even than the Philistines who were just to, to the west of of the people of, of God. These people were to be avoided at all cost. The story is fascinating because Jesus chose to go through Samaria instead of around Samaria to avoid these people that were outcasts. In 2 Kings, the 17th chapter, you can read the story about how the Assyrians came in to take over Israel. At this time, the kingdom was divided in two. There was the northern kingdom and then there was the southern kingdom. Assyria was not wanting to extend its control beyond what it thought itself capable of doing, it came in and took over the northern kingdom of Israel. And in the process of taking over that kingdom, it decided better than to simply take these people out, we will bring some of our people in. And so from Babylon and Kutah and Eva and Hamath and Sephravaim. They brought in all of these immigrants and deposited them there right within the northern kingdom. 
sacrilege as far as the Jews were concerned. But was, what was even greater sacrilege was that the Jews that were left in that area, some of them did not leave when this happened. But they began to intermingle with the culture of those that were worshiping all kinds of other idols and had other kinds of religious notions. The Samaritans... The Samaritans began to worship in their own way. In fact, they set up their own temple on Mount Gerizim in Samaria, this area that is a part of the greater land of Israel. They began to worship on top of their mountain because they knew that their form of worship would not be accepted on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. There were tensions there. Let me tell you how much tension. In the year 128 B.C., the high priest in Jerusalem marched his soldiers, his temple soldiers, to Mount Gerizim and set the Samaritan temple on fire and burned it to the ground. Now that did not do much for political diplomacy. Can you imagine what would have driven the decision to do that and what the ramifications of it were? They wanted nothing to do with each other. And yet Jesus went right into the area he didn't try to skirt the issue or the people. Jesus was breaking lots of cultural rules by speaking to this woman. It says that when the disciples returned, they were astounded. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. I tell you, even more so, that she was a Samaritan woman. They could not understand how Jesus would have anything to do with this woman. But the truth is, you know this, don't you? Jesus makes us all equal. Come on now, you know this, don't you? Jesus makes us all equal. I like the way in which Paul talks about this in his writing in Galatians. Over in the th third chapter, you remember the 27th and the 28th verses. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. How could he write that? Knowing the culture that still existed. It was because he had seen the reality of Christ accepting him. Jesus makes us all equal. Now, there has been the tendency on the part of preachers for ages to vilify this woman and to make her into a harlot. 
I'm not going to do that today. I don't know. She may well have been morally distancing herself from the community. I don't know. The Bible does not say that. All we know about this woman is what Jesus reveals to us. When he says, go and bring your husband, you remember her response. She said, I have no husband. And his response was this prophetic telling of her life. You have had five husbands, and the one that you are with now is not someone that you're actually married to. And she knew that he had knowledge of her. Why was that significant? Because she was keeping this at best to herself. In fact, that's why she was there midday. She didn't want to be around anybody in the morning or in the afternoon to try to explain her situation. Even if she had not done anything wrong, her situation was so lonely and desperate, either to have lost these husbands in death or through some kind of divorce, if she was the kind of woman that nobody else wanted. Think about how this would make you feel. She, she was in a shameful situation, oppressed, maybe depressed, weary, lonely, in pain. And this, this is my concern. And this is Christ's concern. That is that you and I so easily label people and dehumanize people. Through sociological understandings of where people are, through political understandings of who they must be, we label them by race, we label them by religion, we label them by sexuality, every way. We are labeling, labeling people. And in the very moment of doing that, we pain the very heart of God. Because Jesus is the one that does not avoid Samaria. He goes right through the heart of Samaria in order to engage this woman in conversation and let her know that he cares. All of us, I tell you, are earthen vessels thirsty for something more. She did not realize that she needed living water. She was there coming every day to get water. She did not realize that she needed some other sustenance for her soul. She was fragile. She was chipped. She was broken. Just like you and I, just like those 
around us that we see every day of the week. And God, through Christ, gave her a gift of living water. Have you ever seen water dance? Have you ever seen water dance? It's a beautiful thing. Living water is just moving water. It is, though, amazing how many different ways water can move. Have you ever been to a waterfall and just been mesmerized by all the different shapes that are formed as the water splashes against the rocks and, and bends itself and molds itself around the banks? What a beautiful thing living water is. And let me tell you, this woman, for this woman... Living water was already beginning to be a part of her life even before she realized it. Because what did she do? She dropped her bucket and ran into town to tell those persons whom she had been avoiding to tell them to come and see for themselves. She didn't even have her creed straight. She said, could this be the Messiah? Could this be? You are darn tootin' it's the Messiah. But she didn't know that in her mind yet. But in her heart, there was already this contagious nature to that living water that was flowing in her. That's when church really works. I hope that you know that. When you and I learn not to send judgmental messages to those that are around us. And I'm not talking about just those outside of this room. I'm talking about even those within this room. Occasionally, I pick up on the fact that we don't do a very good job of loving each other in this space. You and I are called to love each other and to do so non-judgmentally. In fact, that is what this table is all about. And we remember that as we come to this table, that Christ invites everybody here. That he is not, he is not asking who is worthy of coming to this table. He is saying, the worthiness is on my behalf I invite all of you to come at my invitation this table is open to all as we share together in this service let us be prayerful before the Lord